We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the August 19th, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at AmITheRealBlair, and my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? It's going fantastic, Blair. Welcome back from vacation. Hope you had a good time. 
Oh, yeah, it was a good vacation. It was uh, probably not long enough, as these things always are, but, uh, you know, ready to get back into it, talk some uh, NFL news. We got a lot of preseason stuff to talk about, so uh, I'm excited. And, uh, yeah, I'm especially excited for our guest today. Joining us today on the show is Peter Howard. Peter is a writer for Dynasty League, Dynasty League Football and FFstatistics.com and the host of Dynasty Crossroads. He also did all the projections for the Player Profiler World Fame Draft Kit. You can follow him on Twitter at PA Howdy. Peter, thanks for joining us. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you before we get started a bit about uh, you know doing the projections for the for the draft kit. I guess what uh, what exactly goes into making those projections? You projected every player for that. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. One's in and out of the cheat sheet as well, because we uh, project every player for every NFL team. Um, I stole, or well, not really stole, but it sounds cooler if I say I stole it, but I got a projections model from um, Justin Freeman on Twitter, at JustinFreeman22, I think is his handle, I don't know. Um, but... Uh, he has a projections model that he gives out um, for anyone that donates to No Kid Hundred, and that just sounded like a great thing to do anyway. So um, I got a hold of that, and just because he's put in a lot of work to build it as a model, and I, I kind of evilly tore everything out because I wanted to use my own stuff, and so I tore most of his stats out, and I inserted stats that I think are a little more updated, and or that I. I to use like Racer and Pacer, Whopper and various other things from HayArts.com um, and then essentially I construct the depth chart for every team in the NFL, inserting every player on the roster and then I assign them what I think their efficiency is going to be based on a three year history and also some models reject how that changes year over year and, and also what their opportunity is going to be um, I project them based on percentages so this running back's going to get 55% of the running back rushing attempts, for example. And then I project the team based on a weighted three-year average in terms of rushing attempts and passing attempts. And so that that was probably too many words to explain it. But that all filters into a cheat sheet and that we upload to Player Profiler. And you can see the results um, of uh, 300 different players on that cheat sheet. That's awesome. Yeah, it sounds like a, a humongous enterprise. You definitely want to check that out on Player Profiler. Um, yeah, let's get into the news. Uh, first item up, C.J. Anderson tallied 39 yards on eight carries while also snaring two catches for nine yards Friday in the Panthers' preseason game against the Dolphins. Christian McCaffrey dominated touches early as Anderson didn't see his first carry until midway through the second quarter. Uh, so, Peter, who do you think will lead this backfield in carries and... I mean, do you think the workloads are going to be split, uh, you know, with Anderson getting carries and McCaffrey getting targets, or do you think McCaffrey's going to continue to uh, get most of the touches as he did in the preseason? Um, I'm betting that McCaffrey gets the majority of carries, actually. Anderson ran with not the first team. I think it was actually the third team, which isn't a good sign. I don't pay too much attention to the preseason, but you can get a lot of information about depth charts as as it progresses. Um, I just don't think he's getting the type of looks that seem to suggest he's going to take on um, a huge rushing role. I think he's going to get a role. 
Um, definitely, yeah. McCaffrey isn't the type of player to uh, take on over 300 carries, but I think he'd be good yeah, between the tackles. Um, that combined with the way they used him last year means I think he's going to lead in um, rushing attempts and, and obviously <laughs> overall touches as well. Yeah, and actually I'm with you here. Uh, last year when you're looking at uh, McCaffrey's game log, just using the road of his uh, fantasy stat explorer, his floor is RB3. Like the worst that he his positional finish last season in, 26, uh, in 2017 was 37th running back. His high, obviously, clearly an RB1 upside. And that's a rock-solid floor, uh, not just for basketball, but also for structured head-to-heads. Um, I w- actually just recently tried moving fairly aggressively for McCaffrey, uh, and I was turned down. If you play in that Dynasty League and you're listening to this, please give me Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> no, right? He had like a 20% market share of targets last year, which is basically equivalent of a wide receiver one league average. So you're getting a wide receiver one for plus whatever he picks up in the rushing game. So I'm with you on that, too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, when he was coming into the NFL, uh, two of his most comparable players based on kind of his size and his athleticism, his agility especially, were Ray Rice and LaShawn McCoy. And they both kind of followed the same career arc where they their rookie seasons, they were used mostly as pass catchers. And then they really exploded in year two. And, uh, you know, became true workhorses, even, you know, at under 200 pounds. Uh, so uh, it's not a guarantee, of course, that that's what McCaffrey is going to do in 2018. But uh, you really like his chances, I think, to to increase his workload. Um, we had Chris Raybon on the show a couple a uh, couple weeks ago, and he mentioned that, well, basically, McCaffrey and Kamara had the exact same workload, and the difference was, you know, Kamara was, of course, wildly efficient, and McCaffrey was kind of just, uh, you know, average. He was actually even below average in efficiency for in terms of rushing especially. So, uh, you know, basically, if I'm not saying McCaffrey can, <laughs> can become Kamara even without his workload going up, but that's kind of his ceiling. So, uh, yeah, I really like his outlook for 2018. All right, and then... Um... Right into Dynasty League football, I often take a longer-term view. It's, with McCaffrey, he's already proven himself to be really good in the NFL at catching the ball in the running back position. But also, longer-term view, I don't want him taking on too many touches, right? I'd like them to keep it within reason, and if the majority of that in the, is in the receiving game, that's just fine with me, because it's more predictable and more valuable in most leagues, where we're mostly playing in PPR leagues these days. So um, I, I'm all in on him being a running back one and a high running back one as well. Um, so, and I don't mind if he doesn't take on a um, David Johnson or Le'Veon Bell rushing total either because I'd like him to stay healthy and keep doing Yeah, that's a great point. It's, it's maybe a benefit that C.J. Anderson is in there running against stack boxes and taking the more uh, low-value touches, you know, running between the tackles and also the touches that give you a much higher chance of getting injured. So uh, there could be some some good things, even if if uh, McCaffrey does seed some carries to Anderson. Yeah, my biggest uh, concern with target share, it's, uh, you know, with, with Greg Olson back, uh, Devin Funches, 
And now with the addition of DJ Moore, I don't know if he'll get a similar outsized workload in the receiving game. But, all, you know, again, like you, like you mentioned, like he was just inefficient, relatively inefficient with the amount of uh, targets that he saw. So if he's able to boost efficiency despite seeing a reduction in target share, you're still looking at a guy who, as Peter mentioned, will be a running back one this season. Mike Williams got a 25-yard touchdown in the Chargers' second preseason game. Peter, you've written on FF Statistics about how second-year breakouts are most common for wide receivers. Do you see 2018 as being Mike Williams' year to break out? And are you comfortable drafting him with his current ADP neither dynasty or redraft? Right. Um, Mike Williams is a really awkward player for me to talk about um, because I really liked the player in college. I thought he was very good. I thought he, I, I thought he was very promising to come into the NFL. Unfortunately, I do... I do most of my rookie evaluation for wide receivers through market share and adjusted by age based on the work of many Rotovis work is actually like John mm-hmm. Moore and also Cole and Kevin Cole. Sorry, I don't know why I just got him by his last name like he was uh, Beyonce or something. Good old Cole. <laughs> After his college injury, he suffered. Um, it's he. We saw. He had suffered from his college injury when he came back the year after. He sustained a neck injury, if I remember right, that took him out for the year and was actually to the point they didn't know if he could play football again. The year after that, he came back and still produced well, but it was nowhere near with the efficiency or the the promising nature that he'd done before that. And so I just think we should be respect of the player and that injury that maybe he wasn't the same when he came back. And since he's come into the NFL, I have no idea. He hasn't been on the field enough to really be able to judge. And so I like the player a lot, but he's also on a depth chart with a free agent who has already proven himself capable of being a productive wide receiver and even filling in as a wide receiver one for the Los Angeles Chargers and if uh, he needs to, like he did that one year when Keaton Allen was injured. So I'm actually on the Tyrell Williams uh, train. Um, I like Mike Williams. I don't understand why they, they drafted him. Um, so it's a really awkward situation because um, he is entering that second year, but this, those second year breakouts usually play in their first year. If we take the list to wide receivers who didn't play or finished outside the top 100 or 200 in positional rank in their first year, it's just a list of busts, even from the first round. And so I would say that's actually worrying for, for Mike Williams that he didn't play at all in this first year. Of course, even that's a little situational, you know, even going back to 2000, which those numbers do. And, like, a player gets injured. You can't blame the player <laughs> for being injured, and you can't predict injury. So it could, it's such a small sample size of first-round wide receivers that missed their first year, even since 2000, that it's hard to say that he's definitely to be written off. But with Tyra Williams there, and they've and the teams gave a second round tender, I think this off season, so they seem to have recognized what he did as well. Even last year, playing second fiddle to Keenan Allen, Tyra Williams actually went up in efficiency while getting less efficient targets, uh, long distance down the field targets. Tyra Williams actually increased his efficiency. This, everything says Tyra Williams is this good player that shouldn't have been undrafted. Um, and because production kind of trumps anything that someone does in college, I, I, I lean towards Tyrell Williams. But I, I also want to write for Mike Williams 
because I did like him in college before his injury, and that would be a good story too. Yeah, for the most part, I agree with that. Um, you know, the one thing, or well, it's multiple things, I guess, that have me still taking chances on Mike Williams in best ball leagues here or there are uh, basically what you mentioned that his first season is more or less an unknown like um it wasn't that right. he played bad necessarily he just didn't play we just didn't see him get an opportunity so uh he's someone who could have you know kind of a upside that we can't see basically um you know i thought he was overdrafted by the chargers um his age is a worry although the fact that he missed basically his first junior year and so you know, kind of declared early in that way. That's a good sign. So it's, uh, you know, goes both ways, I guess. But, uh, yeah, like you, I was not that high on him as a prospect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, with Hunter Henry out, somebody's got to get targets. I like Tyrell Williams. Like you said, Mike Williams could surprise people, I think, just because we don't really know what he is in the NFL yet. So I'm willing to take a chance in later rounds. While doing projections, I started writing a few uh, columns for DLF on if this, then what. And one of the things I looked at was now Hunter Henry's gone, are they missing targets? Because I couldn't remember Hunter Henry getting a lot of targets. Um, I, and missing targets year over year isn't stable. Like the not was replaced just because 200 targets as a random number a missing from last year's offense doesn't mean someone else gets 200 targets the next year is what I'm saying. It sometimes just means that those targets go. Sometimes only some of them come back and go to someone else. So the one thing I could find that was stable is Philip Rivers' production. And so I looked at um, the last three years, what he's done in terms of passing attempts and also the efficiency on those attempts for, the, for his receiving options. Anyway, the longer the short of it was I don't think there are actually many missing targets. I think there are missing touchdowns and based on Philip Rivers' typical averages, um, which means there's still upside here. But I just wanted to throw that in because I found I thought that article was a little fun, and the I, I hear that a lot. There's missing targets, and while I think the sentiment's absolutely right, it was just interesting to me that uh, targets don't actually seem to be missing because Hunter Henry's role was so small last year. It's actually touchdowns with the loss of Antonio Gates, <laughs> and that are actually missing from the projected offense. Great point. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that makes uh, that makes plenty of sense. And the way that I'm honestly playing this in basketball leagues is I'm just taking the guy who's cheaper of the two, hopefully, uh, provided one of the, the two falls to me. Uh, Sean Siegel has a really good article up called uh, Why I Keep Buying Mike Williams' Red Flags and All. Uh, this was when his ADP was fairly depressed uh, f- from a few, honestly, from the end of May. So you're looking at a guy whose ADP is only continuing to to climb now as we head into this um, we're almost at the start of the nfl season so you know all else being equal i'm hoping to just get a share of the guy who's cheaper uh, realistically i think the play here might just be keenan allen slash melvin gordon or right. <laughs> absolutely antonio gates or rico gathering <laughs> is released <laughs> now we're off to the races <laughs> All right, before we get into No Shit Shit No, I have a quick reminder or kind of an announcement that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show, 
answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at $5 a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $5. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality industry-leading programming. Uh, and speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get a 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. The season is almost here. Make sure you're ready. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. You get an amazing value. You support the podcast. And once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, now let's get into no shit. Shit, no, first item up. Trey Burton caught four of five targets for 45 yards and a touchdown in the Bears' third preseason game Saturday night. I mentioned going to go shit, no. Um, I like Trey Burton. I think people are right to be excited that he could have sort of upside um, next year. But uh, especially, again, taking that longer-term view into account, I think this is just a value for Adam Shaheen, who I like coming out. We need him to get years under his belt whoever be useful at the time and and Trey Burton's just not someone that I, I think is going to be a consistent top 12 tight end or anything like that I think he could have a spotty production next year and be useful but I'm more fading towards taking the value of Adam Shaheen I was just going to ask if you had any worry about the injury Shaheen maybe suffered looks like the latest is is optimistic but any thoughts on that yeah, injuries are always a concern, obviously, especially since I'm no way a doctor, so I, I can't <laughs> evaluate that. Um, but with tight ends especially, uh, patience is pretty much just one, and then I repeat it a couple of times for myself. I mean, I'm, I've written that series of breakout articles for FS Statistics when players at different positions break out, and I was actually surprised at tight ends, and that one's coming out uh, this week, I think, and tight ends tend to break out in a second. It surprised me because most tight ends in the top 12 and top 5 are 26 and older, and so there's this weird balance going. <laughs> but um, in general, if a tight end, I think, has a decent profile coming from college, gets injured or is struggling, um, and their ADP drops or a Trey Burton comes in, I'm probably going to target them because if I've got room, because it, it's just a player I'm always expecting to stick on my bench for three years and just wait and see. So the injury is concerning, but I'm, I'm not expecting anything. And so in that way, I'm, I'm, I'm not too troubled. That's really interesting, actually. I wrote some kind of similar posts on Rotoviz about, um, you know, when players tend to break out. And I looked at tight ends a bit, but I decided not to publish anything on them because I couldn't find... You know, really any meaningful trends, like uh, there didn't appear to be a year at which maybe a significant plurality breakout or something like that. So it was just like, well, tight end's kind of uh, <laughs> harder to predict. You're making me nervous, Lev. I'm going to recheck <laughs> those numbers now. <laughs> but yeah, um, I based it on when players first a top 12 season and when players first have a top 5 season just by PPR mm -hmm. rank. My reasoning being that tight end 5 can produce all sorts of different touchdowns, yards and points year over year, but if they're in the top 5 they tend to have a significant difference in week to week start ability over tight end 6 to 12 
Um, and so it didn't really matter how much, just that they were in the top five or in the top 12 was my reasoning. And like I say, I found that most first top 12 or top five seasons happened in the second or third. Um, no, yeah, I'm sure you're right. I'm just a little I'm going to go check all that now. Thank <laughs> 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 you. Check. Thank <laughs> you. Taewon Taylor caught 404 targets for 95 yards and two touchdowns in the Titans' second preseason game Saturday night. Uh, I really like Taewon Taylor coming out. He's uh, he's an age 20 breakout, though, in that he had 20% of his market share. Um, the first time he had that for his college team was at age 20. Um, I'm actually leaning towards shit no at this point because I think his values jumped up and I've actually just made a few trades where people take Taiwan, Taiwan Williams uh, sorry, Taiwan off my team uh, and I get back uh, someone else often, one of those tight ends I was talking about with some draft picks or something. And the depth charts just stopped. Corey Davis has the most perfect wide receiver numbers, so I'm really expecting him to break out at some point. Rashad Matthews is just always undervalued. Delaney Walker is just always going, is just a great tight end. And so uh, I like Taewon. I don't see a lot of room in the offense for him, if everything goes the way I think, at least. Um, and I have some concerns about um, if flashy preseason plays are about as good as it's going to get. I really like the player. I just, uh, I'm taking the value on those preseason plays right now. Yeah, and I'm actually with you. I've been trying to sell Taewon in a few of the leagues that I own him. Uh, I'm trying to shop him around for uh, either a future first, or I've been trying to I've been trying to push him into packages to try and acquire uh, players that I would actually like, like uh, the aforementioned Christian McCaffrey. I am underselling Taiwan Taylor. <laughs> no, that's <laughs> that's 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 um, what's the word. That, that, that's what a really good player would do. <laughs> I'm just shooting for Austin Hooper, and that's probably definitely not uh, nearly enough value. Royce Freeman had six carries for 20 yards and a touchdown in the Broncos' second preseason game. Um, yeah, I like uh, uh, Royce, Royce Freeman, and so I'm going to go uh, sh- no shit. Um, I had to look up <laughs> uh, my little doodle here, which one was yes and which one was no, but yeah, um, no shit. I think he's got a really good, uh, solid profile from college and really held out hope for Devontae Booker and also D'Angelo Henderson for a while. Um, and I'm not saying there's, there's no hope there, but um, Royce Freeman's new <laughs> rookie running backs tend to show what they are earlier than most other positions, and so I would definitely lean towards Freeman on that depth job. Any interest at all in Philip Lindsay? We talked a bit before the show about uh, you know how we're kind of looking for production even at the running back position. And he's someone who you know has a ton of it. Any thoughts on him? I I've heard his name a few times, and I wasn't particularly hopeful based on the things I look at at running back, which is a little more tricky. It's mostly size and speed, speed according to that size, um, and then production in the NFL. So it's a little bit of a tricky calculation. Um, I, I think any late shot on a running back with a more open depth chart is always a good idea, but I don't have a strong feeling about him, to be honest. 
Uh, I've actually been putting in waivers uh, on him in leagues where I don't have him, and uh, where the FOB budget is about a thousand bucks, the waiver ad that I put him on is sixty nine. So just so I can say nice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. uh, also, it's just because I think he's a very good uh, workhorse. No, he's not going to be a workhorse, but he's a fairly efficient change of pace back who they can actually use uh, out of the backfield. I don't think that Booker's actually shown much. Everyone talks a lot of him about being a receiving back, but he frankly is a little bit old. He was his prospect profile coming out of Utah. John Moore raised some red flags back when that happened. D'Angelo Henderson is actually someone I profiled for playerprofiler.com and why I like him. What worries me a little bit about him is just his age, the fact that he was there forever and just the lack of production in his rookie season. You know, I mean, the fact that they were running out Jamal Charles ahead of him shows you exactly how that coaching staff views him. And Lindsay is doing his part to solidify what he should be doing with big play over big play, making a big catch or a big catch in preseason. Granted, it's against the second and third and sometimes even the fourth string defenses. But that's a you know better quality de- uh, opponents he's played than he has when he was in college. So it's heartening to see him do that. I I'm with Peter though. Like Royce Freeman is the guy who you want. There's with the injuries that we've already seen earlier this year, and there's been some concerns about several other running backs. There's impetus to take Royce Freeman ahead of where he was going much earlier this uh, this season. If your rookie draft is around the corner. And I kind of wish I'd been reaching for him a little bit more in redraft than I have been. I was just looking on player profiler, and he's best comparable to Lance Dunbar. I raised my eyebrow, given his size and, and what you just said. I should maybe have a little more interest in him than I have up to this point. Well, I'm irrational about him. <laughs> he he basically broke that the backfield dominator rating I created. He was so far ahead of anyone else. At that, he basically was Colorado's rushing offense. Like, yeah, yeah, no yeah. other running back did anything. I think, I think that one other running back had like three carries or something. Yeah, <laughs> and a few catches. It was, uh, I mean, yeah, it was amazing. Cowboys tight end Rico Gathers got two or three passes for 32 yards in the Cowboys' second preseason game. Uh, I'm gonna go shit no. Um, I've been hearing that we're waiting for Rico Gathers' breakout for a long time now. <laughs> um, we don't have really anything to judge him off of. He didn't play football. He didn't play a lot of football, at least in college. Um, and that's so I have no way of judging. Um, him playing against fourth, fifth string defenses in the preseason just isn't. It's something I'm going to really value. Um, he's really athletic, so there's always a chance for that. But um, I, like I say, I, I've got so many tight ends to target in the in the second year when they drop off in ADP that I don't have another one to add. But I have room to add another one. John Ross caught one pass for 29 yards in the Bengals' second preseason game. Shit, no. <laughs> Do really okay, and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how if anyone knows how to value wide receivers or not because uh, I'm a I'm a very small fish. But um, John Ross, he just was not very productive in college. And um, he got he, he ran a fast forty time, and the team in the NFL who overvalues 
combine height when drafted him. Um, it just sparks uh, bad notes for me all around. Um, I, I, I just shit on. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of flubbed on that, but I just... I uh, that's good. To, no, that's right. <laughs> um, I'm actually uh, I'm actually a bit of a Ross truther. I've been taking him a fair amount in MFL 10s, really at the uh, 19-20 uh, range as my final wide receiver as a guy who's capable of some spike weeks. What concerns me the most, uh, really, about Ross is the fact that I don't trust Marvin Lewis to deploy him correctly. Um, right. He's he's been he's been fairly um, stubborn in how he deploys rookie wide receivers. I am uh, if you read my work, I've got a piece of from about a little over a year ago on Tyler Boyd as an ultimate dynasty by low. Uh, I still think Boyd, sh- you should go out and get him in dynasty. I think Ross should be on your best ball radar, and I think that these two are wide receivers who shouldn't cost you all that much at all in redraft or in dynasty and if they pay off you're looking at a very very productive wide receiver because they need to fill the void left now by brandon lafell and boyd has risen up to the reason uh, to the uh occasion in the past i can't believe i missed an opportunity to talk about tyler boyd talk about one of the most productive college players who hasn't done anything with any Cincinnati doesn't really play its rookies. It's his reputation, and it's mostly true. Um, but even in that measure, Tyler Boyd did decently um, for a rookie, if I remember right, wasn't it? Uh, he had he had some touchdowns at least. Yeah, it was uh, it was a season where AJ Green uh, got hurt, so him LaFell went to wide receiver one status, and uh, Boyd was a de facto wide receiver two. Yeah, had like 603 yards still. That, that's that's decent for a rookie. And like I say, he was incredibly productive in college. He's like the opposite of John Ross, now I think about it. Someone that was incredibly productive by age in college, but did terribly at the combine. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, yeah, you're right. Ain't Tyler Boyd. <laughs> yeah, and like the uh, road of his screener actually spits out, uh, the sim scores app, sorry, spits out some really interesting comps for uh, for Boyd. Uh, it comps him all the way from uh, Stefan Diggs, all the way down through guys like uh, Jamison Crowder. Now, I personally think he's more Crowder than Diggs, but, you know, realistically what the sim score tool is telling us is Boyd is poised to be a slot slash wide receiver target magnet who is fairly efficient at all depths when the ball is actually thrown to him so you know you're getting a discount on a jameson crowder type in dynasty especially and there are guys who just don't value boyd at all you can get probably find him on your waiver wire if you play in a slightly shallower league and there's probably some owner out there who's willing to give you boyd for like a third round pick I really like some redemption from that draft class as well. Like I spent a lot of time on my rookie evaluations of wide receivers, and like that class just kicked me uh, all all across the United States. Literally, I did terrible. Tyler Boyd was like my most favorite player from that draft class. <laughs> so I really like some redemption from that. Corey Coleman too, right? Yeah, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> just He's all coming went up. wrong. Isaiah Crowell has been cleared for individual drills. 
No shit. Looked up my chart again. Yeah, I really like Kryle this year. Not and he's very value. Like I was getting him in double digit rounds, which just projecting volume I think was kind of a no brainer. I think he's crawled up a little bit. So outside of value, um, I think the player is good. I think he's shown that he can be a productive running back in the NFL. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that he's going to turn into David Johnson at any point in his life, but so few people ever are going to be that awesome. And I think Corral's above league average, let's say, and even at above league average with basically no above league average competition on the depth chart, and now Elijah Maguire getting hurt, I, I actually really like Corral. I think he could be productive even on an offense that's probably going to struggle. I think he can I think he can give you, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth round Production, running back production. So I really like him this year. Chris Warren rushed 18 times for 110 yards and a touchdown in the Raiders' second preseason game. I want to say no shit, but I'm going to go with shit no and go with the crowd on this one. Marshawn Lynch actually did do well last year. His his volume was restricted, and it, it probably was in an effort to keep him healthy, and they'll probably do the thing this year. But as long as he's on the team, and um, I think from just a season perspective, he, he's going to get the carries, um, and he's going to do well with them. Um, I am interested in um, Warren a little bit, because mostly just because he's he showed some. He showed something in this preseason, which means he will be more likely to stick to stick to the depth chart, more likely to get attention from the coaches, and those are the things he needs at this point. And the reason I say um, shit no is because I think that's probably going to vault him up in fantasy a little more than it will for me. And so I'm probably going to play the patience game with that as well. The minute Marshawn Lynch starts to do well or adequately, um, then I might start to think about Chris Warren again. If he stuck to the... Where was he drafted? Or was it undrafted? It was undrafted, right? Yeah, undrafted. Yeah, so he re- he's really fighting for the roster spot, and if he gets that, that's that'll be really... That'll be interesting. Because um, DeAndre Washington, who I... Another player I've held out hope for, but he's just been bad. And Jalen Rashad much locked down that receiving role and from what I've heard and what I can see and what they've done as well. So, um, yeah, Warren has been interested in that way. The Cleveland Plain Dealer reports that the Browns aren't expected to sign free agent Des Bryant. No shit. Um, big fan of Des. I don't want to ever sound like I don't like a player because he's these guys are phenomenal. I've really enjoyed watching them. I hope he gets a contract. I hope he does well again. But we've seen significant decline in his performance, uh, even when he's supposed to be healthy. Um, and uh, even down to game speed, using Josh Hermsmeyer's uh, data on AODS.com, he, he's lost a step. I really do think he's lost a step. It's difficult to predict when a loss in efficiency or... or um, Speed really signals the end for a wide receiver, but I think the fact that Des Bryant's still out there and says a lot when you've got 32 teams who would probably like to take a shot on a guy like Des Bryant, and they've all passed on him, and even the Browns seem slow to be interested. So, yeah, I, I just... Unfortunately, I think it might be it for Des. 
TJ Yeldon had 10 carries for 39 yards and caught five of six targets for 73 yards in Jacksonville's second preseason game. No shit. <laughs> and no, I really like TJ Yeldon um, as someone who can definitely be a good running back and behind a really great rushing running back runs violently and has been injured before and has some nagging injuries as well. So I, I like his role. I think he could definitely have a receiving role and with Leonard Fournette. Um, and if in the terrible event that Leonard Fournette gets injured or loses carries for some reason, maybe he joins a circus. I don't know. That's a happier reason than an injury. <laughs> um, that would be nice. I, I would I could say that. <laughs> Then um, I would be happy to have Yeldon on my on my depth chart. He's actually like the second or third most owned player in my best ball leagues right now. I found out the other day, so I must like him. Latavius Murray had six carries for twelve yards and two fumbles in the Vikings' second preseason game. No shit. Um, and that's a difficult one for me because I, I know a lot of very smart guys who have been doing this a lot longer, probably a lot better at it. Um, like Mike Clay has literally said he couldn't be less worried about that. But Latavius Murray has actually beaten his draft um, uh, ADP every year for the last three years. He always gets more of a role than we think he's going to get. And true, last year that was due to an injury more than anything else. But... Um, I, I think there might be a split here, and where I, we've got such little, such a small sample size on Dalvin Cook, and he's already valued like a locked-in asset, like a locked-in back one, which he probably is. But I do think Murray can steal targets, and I do think Murray can steal attempts this year, and so in that way, I'm kind of buying into it. Josh Gordon has reported to the Browns training camp. Uh, no shit. Um, does that mean that Hard Knocks is wrapped up? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, I like all players. I'm not going to say I like him. Of course I like him. Um, I think it was a smart decision, if that's what he needed to do, to stay away. Because um, I'm rooting for the person much more than I am the player. Um, so I, I'm coming back and being ready to start, uh, start playing again. And I do kind of suspect that's because the cameras have gone away, which I wouldn't blame him. Wouldn't blame him for doing that at all. And I think, based on what he's been doing, he came back. I, I'm betting it was a, a, the smartest decision he could make in the situation. He really seems to be taking care of himself. I'm happy to see that. And I think this is just uh, just another step in that. I don't think he was away because he couldn't handle it. I think he was away because. And so it was the best decision for him. And so in that way, I'm fine with it. I do think, however, that Jarvis Landry is going to be the target leader um, on the Browns. So I don't know if that means I flip over to a shit no or, <laughs> or another shit. <laughs> um, but um, I, I'm more for the decision he's made. Because he would know he would know what the best decision for himself would be better than I would. Gordon Rose's coach, Steve Wilkes, said that Christian Kirk has created some separation for the number two receiver job. No shit. Um, Christian Kirk um, has an 18, age 18 breakout in college, um, which has a hit rate um, since 2000 of about 33%. So 
33% of all age 18 breakouts drafted in the NFL have been a top 24 receiver. That beats every other hit rate I can find other than just first-round draft capital. And he was drafted in the second round, which certainly isn't a slouchy draft capital. Um, I think there is a need for another receiver who can do something besides run really fast uh, downfield. Even even though J.J. Nelson does that really well, I think there's a, another role in this team behind Larry Fitzgerald. Um, and I think Christian Kurt's going to fill that role. Um, I really like Christian Kirk. Yeah, I, I, he's, he was really productive in college. And, uh, yeah, no shit. Of course he's going to win that job. Top uh, comparable on player profiler, I think, is Stefan Diggs, right? Yeah. And um, his market yeah, share, I like that. compared to. Yeah, I, I'd love that. I actually compared him to Odell Beckham, not for the type of player he is, but that's how high above the average production of successful players he was at every age. It most closely resembles Odell Beckham. He was really productive. Then again, Odell Beckham was competing with Jarvis Landry on his team, so. <laughs> Jonathan Williams saw reps with the first-team offense in the Saints' second preseason game. Uh, no shit. I, I think I'm getting the hang of this. Uh, which one's yes, which one's no thing. Um, I think he's the most likely uh, person on that chart to get the majority of rushing attempts that Alvin Kamara doesn't get. <laughs> that makes sense. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of provisos and caveats in there. I don't think he's going to be particularly fantasy relevant, but I do like him to lead in rushing attempts while marking out behind Alvin Kamara. I mean, the other people are Terrence West, Boston Scott's a decent dark horse candidate, but um, I've just seen more Jonathan Williams, and he's been good enough in spots. Yeah, I think that the way you want to play the Saints backfield is, you know, in structured head-to-heads, you can probably take Ingram if you're an experienced owner, you know what you're doing, you know you're not going to have him for the first four weeks of the season. Kamara in the first is completely well worth your you know, your capital now, especially now that Ingram's gone. I'm of the belief that um, you want to get pieces of this receiving core in your lineups, whether it's best ball, whether it's dynasty, uh, the guy who you probably want are either the undervalued Cameron Meredith or the Traquan Smith. Yeah, 100%. I think from the projections that I did from Pythagorean's strength of schedule, and bear in mind that this is 100%, you don't want to be using that to really project out what's going to happen in the future because the NFL is very high variance and you're not going to get an accurate reading. They're projected to have a slightly more difficult strength of schedule. You know, I think... Ingram was slightly more game script dependent than people realize. And in games where you're looking at where you're where the Saints are going to be closer in terms of point differential, you're probably going to see a lot of Camara, but you're also going to see a lot more of the receivers. And you want the cheap pieces of the receiving core, especially since I'm not really off the belief that Josh Hill's terrific or Ben Watson, even at the age of 38, is going to be the kind of feature tight end that he was you know a few years ago especially post achilles stare you're so much better on this than you just turn the situation into like actionable information and, uh, and that's exactly what i would say uh, the the reaction to jonathan williams is i'm buying harder into the new orleans passing game 
Um, I'm buying Drew Brees, I'm buying Cameron Meredith, I'm buying Traquan Smith in any way that I can. A lot of people have shown that Drew Brees' 2017 was kind of a blip on his radar and really underproductive. One of my favorite ways is by Zeno James. He's actually the dude underscore Z on Twitter, on Twitter, which is also just a cool name. But he's been looking at Z scores, comparing players' average, average production over uh, production over average um, by age. <laughs> Um, these scores kind of a wordy thing to explain, but that's what it is. Um, and Drew Brees was seriously under his predicted at predicted performance in 2017, and it actually is fairly sticky year over year. And so he's just that sounds wordy, but that's the thing. It's a graph, and it really demonstrates how he was. Um, it's a really random low performance for Drew Brees. So I really think he's going to come back in 2018 and not be the Drew Brees, but he's going to be better than 2017. And so I've been spending most of my season in buying the Saints passing weapons and drafting them if I can. Like even Ted Ginn, sure. I'll take, take in with Drew Brees, that's fine. Mike Isicki was held without a cash in the Dolphins' second preseason game. Yeah, no, no shit. Um, like I say, we, we've been through tight ends, so I don't need to belabor the point. I would expect him to do nothing this year. Um, I know it's exciting. I know there's always rookie tight ends that are exciting every year. If a rookie tight end breaks out, it's something you definitely have to pay attention to, but there's like um, two in the last 18 years that have actually been a top five producer at the position, which is where it makes the difference for fantasy. Um, so I don't, I don't think he's going to be Evan Ingram or James Shockey, who was the other one, or Stockley. I, I forget how to say his last name. Um, so, yeah, no shit. He, he shouldn't do anything this year. I got a question. Uh, with the fact that Gusecki was drafted and he profiles to be a prototypical move tight end, really more so to be used as a mismatch in the receiving game, and the fact that Parker is, well, he's Devontae Parker and he's underwhelmed us all, do you think that Gusecki has a shot? Yeah, they all have a shot. Um, they're all incredible players to be drafted into the NFL, right? Um, and I like Gusecki. I just I try and keep my process simple because if it gets complicated, I'm never going to win that. I'm never going to win that game. Um, uh, <laughs> so, um, two out of the last eighteen years, when there's a tight end with opportunity, and apparently we get shot every year and draft capital. And athleticism, and um, I, I, I just I'm not going to make that bet. Does he have a shot? Definitely, um, but I, I think it's a low odds bet. I guess would be the way I'd say it. I know I, I, people hate me for this one because Gusecki looks wonderful, but, but I just I'm gonna stick firm on my process here, Sam. Sorry. ESPN's Mike Rodak believes it's too early to consider Josh Allen a lock to start week one. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> Buffalo. God, I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to say, uh, shit, no. <laughs> I don't believe anything. Uh, people tell me about their team uh, before the season starts, to be honest with you. What else they got? I mean, I I think they got to try Allen out. Um, I think he's definitely the best quarterback on the roster. Um, uh, so yeah, I think he's gonna start. 
I don't know when Mike Rodak actually said this, but it was reported after it came out that AJ McCarron had broken his collarbone. So this is like <laughs> okay. even even worse than it sounds. I have heard some Nathan Peterman talk, which it, it's very very. He's like the easiest mockable target in the NFL because of that terrible, terrible first game. I'm going to always talk about sample size. That was a really small sample size. It was a really terrible, terrible, terrible small sample size, um, which provides confidence in no way, shape, or form. But, I mean, it's hard to judge Nathan Peterman off of, what, what, what did he throw, 20 passes and 20 interceptions or something ridiculous. So, yeah. There might be hope there. We have no idea what he is, but I mean, the shame of drafting him anywhere would be great, right? I remember a Superflex uh, rookie draft. No, sorry, a 2QB rookie draft where um, someone took Josh Allen as the second rookie quarterback after I took Baker Mayfield at 102, I believe. Allen went at the 106. That was uh, impressive. Hopefully it works uh, yeah. out for that guy. <laughs> um, the hate on metrics is real for some people. Like, if you don't like him from a statistic standpoint, like, that's it. They're, they're going to take him second overall no matter what. And I don't really think that's some of the reaction. Or a Buffalo fan. Yeah. <laughs> Antonio Callaway was held without a catch in Cleveland's second preseason game. No shit. Like, he's an AJ team breakout, so I'm going to be all for him. But um, it's hard to root for a guy who's never shown any willingness to bet on himself. Like, he, I, I don't know if he's trying, but he has found a way to screw things up everywhere he's been several times. And I don't know the guy, I don't know him personally, but just as someone who's just playing fantasy football, has nothing to do with the actual people, I I can't see him changing that in the NFL in the most stressful, most competitive, and hardest competition level he's ever been at. And I want him to work out, but I, I think this has got nothing to do with football. And I don't know if there's a good way of evaluating that. <laughs> The 2018 NFL season is almost here, and the FFPC has a format to suit every diehard's interest and budget. Whether it's best ball, superflex, or classic managed leagues, there are drafts filling daily starting at just a $35 entry fee. Jump into a slow or a live draft today. The FFPC also features the world's greatest the world's greatest contest in season-long fantasy football. Come to the Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino, Las Vegas, this September, and draft in the FFPC main event while spending opening NFL weekend in Las Vegas with hundreds of diehards just like you. Can make it to Vegas and draft online from the comfort of home and compete for the massive $250,000 grand prize with over $2 million in total cash prizes in this year's contest. Don't miss the FFPC experience road of his listeners. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. All right, moving on to news item number three, Ronald Jones, uh, one of my highest-owned players, maybe unfortunately had only four carries for just two yards in the Bucks' second preseason game. So this is the second disappointing performance he's had in the preseason, he was reportedly playing behind both Peyton Barber and Jaquiz Rogers. Um, so, Peter, how much does Jones' preseason performance worry you about his outlook for 2018? 
And uh, are you any less likely to draft him than you were before? <laughs> That's a difficult one for me to answer. I don't know I could get less likely to draft him. So that would be <laughs> difficult. <laughs> like, um, I nearly screamed out, shit, no. And then I realized it was one of those double negative things that wouldn't work. Um, I don't know what he's that makes him interesting. I, I, if that makes sense. Like, he wasn't overly productive in the rushing game. He doesn't catch passes or did not catch passes much at all, let alone well in college. So, and I, I get that his combine was affected by his injury. Like, we don't know how fast he really is. Um, but I don't, that's not really what I use to judge running backs. It's what they did in college. And he was not a dominant workhorse in college. He was not a pass catcher in college. And he didn't produce very much in college. So I don't know what to be excited about with him, except for like a lot of people that I trust um, that mostly focus on watching films say that he was dynamic in space. But at some point that has to translate into production for me in order to be interested or or excited. And not, and like I say, I try not to value the preseason overly one way or the other. So I'm trying not to push him down and based on the preseason because of this. Uh, that probably be something like confirmation bias. But at the same time, I already wasn't drafting him um, where he was going. So his value has been pushed down enough where I have to consider the question. So uh, I don't expect him to leave this backfield, and which means I probably don't expect this backfield to be very interesting for fantasy. Peyton Barber is probably going to lead in rushing attempts, and that's going to be solid, but it's not particularly exciting. And Tampa Bay as a whole uh, is starting to look like a little bit of a quagmire that might not pay off in the not 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 pay off in, in the investment we have to make to get these players. Sorry, I know you just said you own a lot of Ronald Jones. What do you like about Ronald Jones? And I'm genuinely asking. Like I don't I don't know what what he's done. That, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, there are a couple things. Uh, first, he's the youngest running back in this class. He had over a thousand okay. yards from scrimmage as a freshman. Um, yeah, like you said, he didn't get a lot of work in the receiving game, but uh, one thing about the USC offense is they didn't throw to running backs almost at all. He was the only USC running back actually to catch a receiving touchdown last season, and he had almost all, or not not almost all, sorry, he had it over half, I think, of uh, USC running backs receiving yards. Um, so... Yeah, in terms of the metric I talked about earlier, backfield dominator rating, he actually had the highest rating of any, um, uh, I think of any running back that was invited to the combine. Um, so that's part of it. I mean, also, obviously, his combine wasn't great, but he, you know, he was, was a track runner in high school, and I think his personal best at the 100 meters is like around the same as Marquise Goodwin, who was uh, what, four point two nine or something at the combine. So yeah, I don't think his combine is at all an accurate reflection of his actual speed, but that's basically the gist of it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, And it all sounds great. Um, There's something I'm looking at general market share does is when there is context that is worth considering, you can't see it. 
um, and looking at his rushing market share and receiving market share, yeah, he just does not show up. Um, I generally, again, to keep it simple, because if I get too complicated, I think I can over overthink it myself. Um, that just hasn't mattered. I don't know how to judge when context is valuable because it's not often repeated and therefore it also looks like it's not predictive or that any of these things really look particularly predictive. So it's really interesting about that context to his uh, college production. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, the you know, it's the same. Rashad Penny also looks really good in this metric. He didn't catch a lot of passes either, but basically no other San Diego State running back did. Um, but at the same time, someone like Darius Geis, who caught, I want to say, 18 or 19 passes last year, he had a much lower percentage of the running back receiving workload. So there's actually you know, kind of a difference in terms of how they were used in the passing game. Yeah, what kind of bothers me a little bit about Ronald Jones is I recently got on the bandwagon, so I think that I've kind of cursed him, uh, which is uh, <laughs> bad, bad juju. But it's frustrating watching or at least not really watching, but reading the box scores in terms of usage, he's got a you know a fair few carries, but and he's done legitimately nothing here. Like he's, uh, I think he's actually carried the ball more than the yards he's put up on the ground, and all he's done is drop any targets he's been given. I don't know if what we're seeing is Dirk Cutter essentially having throwing a tantrum in a. <laughs> fit of rage against something that the FO or the front office for Tampa Bay did by drafting Ronald Jones with that second round pick, I don't recall. I do remember uh, in our RV32 series back for the spring draft where the beat reporter Greg Augman, who is fantastic at what he does, uh, he mentioned that Ronald Jones was not necessarily the target. The uh, Buccaneers were actually looking for a running back. So it's specifically interesting that they took Jones, despite guys, scary on Johnson and Royce Freeman, etc., being around there. I don't know what this means for Jones going forward. You know, even if you are a very big fan, the preseason, his usage has been inconsistent. His results have been very, very lackluster. I've, pretty much stopped drafting him in MFL 10s and in any, you know, structured redraft leagues that I own him, uh, specifically the Scott Fishbowl where I made him my RB1 and another uh, redraft league that I'm in with a bunch of friends, you know, where I made him my RB1 again. I'm really starting to understand that I probably blew this pick. I was just going to say, I like the value idea that you've mentioned several times, like Mike Williams, John Ross, even they... At the end of the day, that's around wide receivers, and that's the most predictive thing of success in the NFL. And I think we can adjust it a little better than that, but it still is. Um, Ronald Jones was someone who was targeted over someone like um, uh, Darius Geis and was drafted high enough he has to be paid attention to. It's just, I don't know, there are some players where if I don't see some things on the profile, like some history in terms of production or success, <laughs> that it, it's hard for me even to take them as a value. And Ronald Jones just fits in that category. If he hits, I'm really happy for everyone that drafted it and Ronald Jones himself. But he, he probably is someone that just can't make the list because of, of my very simple process. Corey Coleman caught one pass for seven yards in his Bills preseason debut. Uh, Coleman was a non-factor playing with a second-team offense. He reportedly struggled with the playbook since coming over from Cleveland, but should have an insect track to the roster spot. 
Peter, do you think Coleman can make an impact in Buffalo? And what, who do you expect to lead this team in targets? Obviously, I knew that question was coming. That's why I set it up in those value cards. Um, yeah, Corey Coleman's a good one. First round wide receiver and had an age 20 breakout age. I, mean, I should have been less interested in him than was in his rookie year, but he was the best of a group that looked bad to me and then, like, like I said, really kicked my ass <laughs> in terms of who became successful. So I have interest in Coleman, actually, because he did well enough in college based on the things that I look at coaching over age after uh, the age of 20. And he was athletic, which you know I don't entirely discount. He is athletic. Um, and so I have, based on he's been kicked out of his team and really pushed down draft boards and value boards, I had some interest in that way, but I don't have much hope. Is that the best way of look? I have some interest, but no hope. <laughs> Yeah, Coleman is, you know, kind of just like you. He's someone I had uh, a lot of hope for coming into the league, obviously. Um, You know, I still kind of have been drafting him. I think, uh, you know, in some way the move to Buffalo should help him only because there's so few, you know, really skilled wide receivers there. I mean, I'm not a believer in Kelvin Benjamin at all. Say Jones is a little... A little interesting, but he's really done nothing. Uh, he, he might be a nobody. Uh, so, you know, if there's a chance for Coleman to just demand a high share of targets, Buffalo seems like a place where that could happen. Will they be good targets? Probably not. And will he be able to do anything with them, even if they were? Who knows? So uh, there's definitely still a lot of risks. You know, we joked on a previous episode, I remember when we were talking about the possibility that Coleman could be traded and kind of talking about possible landing spots and Buffalo came up and it was like, yeah, that's like the one situation where he could end up that would be worse than Cleveland. But uh, yeah, here we are. I don't know. It's, it's tough and um, probably, probably should be giving up going into his third year with an outlook that is not very optimistic, but you know, I'm still, Still getting him at the end of draft somewhere, just uh, just in case. Yeah, um, the mantra I've been trying to get myself to remember and say over and over again is that wide receivers own their production. So when a wide receiver does well, it's not because of the coach, it's not because of the situation. They've earned those targets, they've earned those yards. Touchdowns are a different story altogether. <laughs> no one earns them, they just land like magical fairy dust. There's really no way of knowing <laughs> where they come from. Um, so, like I say, I have some interest in Coleman because I did like him coming out. And um, he doesn't make that kind of never list. Kind of never. I'm never going to turn down a great value. Um, but um, the the opposite for that works as well, right? He, earn, he owns what he's earned, what he's produced. Um, and I know he's had some injuries. Um and, you know, I'm not going to trust this brand staff with their decisions, <laughs> frankly, <laughs> in general. I think there's a few weird things going on, so letting them go, I'm not going to punish early. And the one thing I can say is that um, in his first year, he earned a .75 whopper, which is a, a weighted opportunity um, rating for wide receivers. And in year two, it was 0.47. They usually expressed, I think, as a percentages. And that's not terrible. Well, he has earned some decent enough opportunity. 
um, but he hasn't been producing even on that. Um, like, sorry. Like, um, he only earned 75 targets in his first year and 57 in his second year. That's not promising. Um, based on the, again, the article I wrote for FS Statistics of when wide receivers break out, third year is kind of a line of de demarcation. You don't want to get too strict with any of those things because every player is different. They're all snowflakes uh, and wonderful in their own way, really, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm saying there. But, um, it's not promising. He doesn't do something this year, and he's not like I said. He's not being set up particularly well for that. First round wide receivers that break out after their third year, pretty much just Kenny Britt. That one season he was kind of okay, and um, in his eighth year, so there's not a lot of history to back up Coleman after this year. It's kind of it, kind of a last draw, and like I say, it's not. It's not a party most people would want to invite their friends to in Buffalo with everything going on right now. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. I found you know the exact same thing basically, especially for early picks. If you if you don't break out by your third year and you were picked in the top 100, the chances of you breaking out later are very low. That's exactly what I found. Right. So yeah, that's right on. Yes, I <laughs> go. <laughs> That'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Peter Howard. Uh, Peter, is there anything that you want to plug before we get out of here? Yeah, a whole bunch of things. I'm, I'm, I'm a plug machine. Um, not really. I don't want <laughs> to bore you with the number of things I've got. I am doing those projections for the world-famous draft kit. Um, it's this really small corner of the draft kit that's put, got months of work put into it. It's also got analysts from across the fantasy world doing videos and write-ups and Ben Gretsch did the team write-ups and there's some really um, <laughs> high caliber cutting analysis in there. So I definitely think people should check that out. And DLF is always just my main plug. It's a fantastic place full of great people. So check out DLF. But really, I want people to try at least one episode of the Dynasty Crossroads. And it's just me and Jake Anderson talking about one player at a time for 30 minutes a week. Um, I talk about the player from a metrics or a statistics standpoint, and he brings the film analysis. So it's the crossroads kind of on, on the button reference there in the name. Um, but we're having a lot of fun with it, and we really like people to check it out. Let us know what we're doing right, wrong, and what we can do to improve it, because we want to keep going. So uh, check us out, and maybe hit us up on Twitter, which is at Dino Crossroads. All right. Awesome. Definitely be sure to follow Dynasty Crossroads. Follow Peter on Twitter at P.A. Howdy. And please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.
Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Your home is important. That's why GEICO helps make it easy to save on condo insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you took minimalism too far because there's only one chair in your entire condo and your only entertainment is one card. Not even a deck of cards, but a single card. And all your guests have to share one plate and one fork, but you're convinced that less stuff means more freedom. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the overly minimalist broom closet you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on condo insurance. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.